Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Well, hey there, lovely humans. It's so good to be back in your ear holes. It's been a while between episodes, and I'm wondering how you are. Last year was mad, wasn't it? I think I've cried every day since the end of last February, which felt like the most sensible response to the world. I thought I'd spend a few moments just updating you on what's been happening and then we'll dive into today's episode which is all about your relationship to the goals and plans and dreams that you might have for 2021 if you dare (laughs) so I guess things have really shifted for me over the last year at the time of the first lockdown I was deep in research mode for a new program that I'm working on about the relationship between self-doubt and our childhood and I'll, I'll tell you more about that very soon but I found that I was starting to remember a lot of experiences from my early years some of them I thought were dealt with and healed and others I was just reminded of and it just felt like all of this trauma was there asking to be tended to and I spent a long time feeling really disconnected from ash from my work from all the things that kind of anchor me I was really uncomfortable and I had nowhere to go but in Everything just felt up in the air, nothing was certain, and I think because of that uncertainty that was created by this weird experience of this pandemic and lockdown and all of the things that that has entailed, it was bringing up a whole lot of those feelings of what it's like to be in chaos where no one is in charge and you feel so uncertain. That was really what my childhood was like. I'm a pretty independent person as a result. I think I take a long time to really let people in. My circle of trust could fit in a phone box. And honestly, when it's just me, I'm pretty content. I can get on with things. I'm pretty good at looking after myself. But last year taught me that I'm really, really not alone and that I can't do this alone. I need people. I have needs. And one of the things that I found was that I had learnt to be independent. I'd learnt to see self-sufficiency as a badge of honour. But actually, the healthiest response was to let people in. And so I really had to learn how to show up in new ways with Ash, with my women, with airing these kind of fears and shames and vulnerabilities Things that I was just really unpracticed in. It was horrible and amazing. And I ended up spending a whole month alone while Ash and I just re-evaluated who we are now after a dozen years together. I spent most of the year working with a therapist. I lost about 10 kilos. I learned how to parent myself in new ways. And my friend Helen took me swimming in a river one day over summer. And it really opened something up for me. It was like a baptism of sorts. 
I came out of that river just feeling different. I don't know if you've had experiences like that where something just shifts for you in a moment. It felt quite spontaneous, but I was quite drawn to water. I joined a kayak club here in Bristol. I've started cold water swimming. There's something about water that has helped me to sort of stay present, stay here. More recently, I've started painting with watercolors. Like the theme of water is just with me right now. And I think all of it is about letting in more joy, letting myself play, growing up in that feeling of uncertainty and chaos and where are the grown-ups. I had to become a sort of tiny adult because it didn't feel like there was anyone available. So I grew up really bloody fast and I didn't really get that opportunity to have that free, playful, curious childhood. I know that's true for so many of us. And what I found is that little sass has been with me all year. And I'm just learning how to have a very different relationship with myself. So all of this has led to lots of changes in how I want to live, how I want to work, what I want to do, how I want to show up in the world. But anyway, I wanted to tell you a couple more things before we segue seamlessly into today's episode. So one of the folks that I've brought in to help me is a business coach called Ali Swift. She's Australian. I'll definitely be interviewing her on the podcast. And we've been working together for just over six months now. And we've developed this 18-month strategy for my coaching practice that feels so freaking exciting to me. I'm really, really excited and thrilled and sort of devoted to it. It just feels very significant 10 years into this work to be making this, this leap. So the first stage of the strategy was to design and open the Self-Belief Coaching Academy, where I'm training coaches in my methodology for how to support people in self-doubt. And honestly, it feels like the best thing I've ever done. Coaches have been asking me for this from time to time over the years, but I never felt ready. It felt too big, too much. I sort of was still doing my apprenticeship, still learning the art and the craft of this work. But my waiting list for private coaching is over 300 people. (laughs) The demand for self-belief coaching has expanded way beyond my capacity. And Ali helped me see that this was a really exciting opportunity. And so... The Self-Belief Coaching Academy opened last October in the middle of the pandemic when everything just fell up in the air and I am so amazed and excited to be working with 27 incredible coaches. These are folks who are already qualified and experienced and this is like an advanced training for them. The feedback from them has been so affirming. I'm learning so much. And the next part of the strategy is to create a way for you to get access to these amazing coaches and to all of the other programs and ideas and coaching methodologies and tools and resources that I've developed in creating this body of work over the last 10 years. And so the next part of the strategy is the Self-Belief School. It's going to open later this year probably in autumn 
and I just can't wait to share that with you. And I also have a book coming out, gosh that feels exciting to say, and a new program about self-doubt and reparenting, working with your childhood stuff. And I'm developing that with Lottie Story, who is in my circle of trust phone box. Lottie is one of the most compassionate humans I know. She is a therapist in training. She's just ace. You're going to love her. So we'll be back to talk about that again in a few weeks or months. But there's just so much goodness coming out of this period of rumination and wonder and, and trying to figure some stuff out. I wonder if you've experienced something similar over 2020. Just that feeling of making sense of things in new ways. And here's the seamless segue I mentioned. I wonder if this is all leading to some new plans and dreams and goals for yourself in 2021. Have you dared to make any yet? So I wanted to talk a little bit about our relationship to goals and the role that self-doubt plays in that. Because what I've noticed from working with, gosh, hundreds of clients over the years is that our self-doubt can really impact how we feel about our goals, our relationship to them. So remember, self-doubt is kept alive by the stories we tell ourselves, particularly about what we believe we are capable of. You know, so it's no wonder that many of us have a bit of a tricksy old relationship with goals. So I thought it might be helpful to explore this further. I found that there are five main approaches that humans with self-doubt have to their goals. And these five goal types sort of run along a spectrum. It's really important to know no type is better than another. It's not like you're climbing a ladder. It's all about what's driving you, your intrinsic motivators. So let's look at the five types and then I'll explain a bit more about each of them. So they are goal-driven, goal-oriented, goal-dreamers, goal-agnostic, and goal-adverse, right? So it's a spectrum. What's your relationship with your goals, right? So goal-driven people, it's like being alive is a way for me to achieve goals. And these folks, you kind of know who they are because they always tell you what they're doing next, right? They're really good at embracing ambition and they feel quite stimulated by a stretch target. Achieving goals, setting them, that's something that just makes them who they are. And when this is coming from a really like healthy, light, conscious belief, it's all about, I have unlimited potential. Let's see what I can do. When it's coming from a kind of shadowy, unconscious belief, it can sound like the harder I work, the more I feel worthy. And that is usually about trying to protect yourself from the risk of failure or disappointment. So just notice that. Is that coming from that light conscious belief of unlimited potential? Or is it coming from a sort of quest for worthiness? So moving along the spectrum, the next type is goal-oriented. These are the folks that enjoy the process of setting targets, making progress, achieving aims. It's like a personal value of them to witness their own growth, to feel excited by possibilities. 
Now, when that's coming from a really light, healthy, conscious belief, it sounds something like I'm creative, I'm capable, I'm committed. And when it's coming from a more shadowy, unconscious belief, it can sound like don't aim too high, don't get too big for your boots. And folks with this type of relationship to goals who are goal oriented but it's coming from that shadowy place it tends to be about avoiding risks of conflict or disappointment they're kind of goal oriented but they don't let themselves aim too high just in case they're disappointed just in case it creates conflict with other people when it's coming from that really healthy place it's yeah I'm creative I'm capable I'm committed I think for me, that's probably where I identify is I'm pretty goal oriented and I also know don't aim too high sometimes. I don't want to get too big sometimes. So moving along the spectrum to the third goal type, goal dreamers. And these are the folks that like the idea of goals, but tend to stay in that dreaming and scheming place. Usually they feel a bit reluctant to commit to taking actual action. I imagine if you're this kind of approach to goals, you've probably got a lot of love for stationery and planning, right? Now, when this comes from a really healthy, light, conscious place, it's like I'm just really present to right now. I'm excited by the process of dreaming. And when it comes from a shadowy, unconscious belief, it's something like, I don't trust myself to follow through, or this is too hard. And that's all about protecting yourself from the risks of complexity or perhaps judgment. So notice that it kind of doesn't matter what the relationship is. It's more about what's driving it within you. What are those intrinsic motivators for you? Let's move a little further along the spectrum to the goal agnostic types. Now, these are folks who kind of take a what will be, will be approach to goals. For them, it's like, I don't know if I want to choose an actual target to aim for. And when this comes from that really healthy, light, conscious place, it's I'm unattached to achievement. It's just not something I value. And when it comes from a shadowy, unconscious belief, it can be something like, I don't want to have this kind of pressure on myself. I can't do this. So there is this sort of risk management that's going on. Trying to protect yourself from complexity, success, disappointment, These are the sorts of things that tend to drive agnostic goal setters when that's coming from that shadowy place. But it might be that you're just unattached to achievement. So again, it's all about what matters to you. And the fifth and final type is the goal adverse folks. And these are the ones that usually enjoy being a bit of an outsider and they may avoid, dismiss or even ridicule goals. When this comes from that light, healthy, conscious place, it's like, you know what, goals are not important to me or I don't see the point, right? And it's a genuine, clean, healthy feeling of I just don't care about goals. But when it's coming from that shadowy, unconscious belief, it may sound something like, look, I just don't know who I'll be if I achieve or fail on this goal, right? For some of us, the idea of achieving something means that we'll have to reevaluate our entire self-concept. And for others, it's like the idea of failing, 
would create that reevaluation. So usually the risk protection that's going on is around rejection and complexity, right? It's that kind of relationship that you have with yourself that is creating that shadowy unconscious belief. Equally, goals just may not be important to you. So they're the five types, goal-driven, goal-oriented, goal-dreamer, goal-agnostic, and goal-adverse. And your relationship with goals just reflects your personal values, your beliefs about your capacity to achieve the goals. And you never need to change this if it's coming from that really healthy, clean, emotionally sound place. And if you feel like it would be fun to try something new this year to see what's possible and there is a type of approach that you want to experiment with then just being aware of the stories you're telling yourself is super helpful so my suggestion would be to just reflect on how you feel about goals what stories come up when you think about your goals do you think there's more shadow or more light when you think about what type of relationship you have with your goals And importantly, what stories would you like to change? So we're going to explore what might help you a little more in the next episode, which is being released at the same time as this first one. So you can dive straight into that. But all of this is just about raising your awareness. What is working for you right now? And what do you want to just experiment with and maybe try something new? All right, lovely people, thank you so much for listening in. I will see you in the next episode. Hey, if you're ready to explore more about your self-doubt, I want to invite you to take the self-doubt archetypes quiz. It's totally free and you'll uncover your particular flavor of self-doubt. It turns out self-doubt is not this amorphous cloud of woe. There are 12 different types of self-doubt and finding out yours is the first step to getting a handle on it. Just head over to www.sasspetherick.com backslash archetype for all the details.